0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Time Roots podcast. I'm your host, Chris DL, and this is my co-host, Sarah. Hello, everyone. At Joyfully, we help you grow your own food and remedies and preserve them so that you can preserve joy in your family. Today, we're going to be talking about growing food. So important to talk about today with everything that's going on. And so we wanted to give you some tips on getting the best bang for your buck when you're growing food at home.
1: After the events in 2020, there has been a rapid rise in the number of people starting to garden for the very first time. In the United Kingdom, there was 3 million new gardeners that started during the lockdowns in 2020. And there's 18.3 million new gardeners in the United States during the same time frame. So that is a lot of new gardeners, new gardens, and people learning to grow their own food. Now, one of the main reasons for the uptick in gardening was for stress relief and to connect with nature. Of course, there's the added benefit of growing your own food, controlling what's on your plate, And the amazing sense of satisfaction and worth that comes from producing something with your own effort.
0: And one of the problems with so many new gardeners entering gardening with the lockdowns was that the seed companies ran out of seed, unfortunately. Now, that's no longer a problem because even though they ran out of seed in 2020, they quickly... Made changes to their amount of seed they're ordering so that this year the seed companies had ample seed to meet the needs of all of the new gardeners. Plus, more new gardeners came into the fold in 2022. So, there are a lot of gardeners out there that have never gardened before. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about some things for first time gardeners today. So if you've been gardening for a while, leave a comment below and tell us some tips that you have for new gardeners, because today we wanna meet the needs of new gardeners and help them get started in the
1: best way possible. Of course, if you are new to gardening, looking at all the tools and the seeds and soil additives and potting soils and pots and pretty lawn ornaments and garden ornaments, honestly, there's no need to spend a lot of money. There are lots of options out there. There are lots of seed companies. There's lots of tool options and tool companies. But in reality, you can start gardening with a minimum amount of tools. Just a few different types of plant seed and maybe a hose and a watering can. There really isn't the need for a huge amount of new toys if you're just starting out gardening.
0: Even though new toys are fun... You don't need to invest a lot of money to get started. In fact, you can get started with just one package of seed and a little bit of soil. And you don't even need to buy pots because often garden pots are just recycled items. Like uh, you can garden in a bag from the grocery store, like a plastic bag. Or you can garden in a pair of jeans. Or a plastic milk jug. Or boots. Or boots. There are a lot of ways to use your creativity to repurpose containers for gardening. And when it comes to soil, it's soil is something that is worth investing in. But you might not need to buy it from a store because you might be able to get it locally. And compost can be made at home for practically free out of things that you might be discarding from your kitchen or taking off your lawn. The important thing is you don't want chemicals in your food so you want to make sure everything is organic when you start. Or as organic as you can make it. As organic as you can make it that's right. Um, Sarah when you first started gardening what did you use for containers? Did you have any unusual containers? Well
1: with the indoor gardening I have used a couple unusual containers Uh, specifically for seed starting. I've used Uh, Coffee cups from the local coffee shop for starting some plants. I have used my milk jugs as well as yogurt containers. Basically, any plastic container I could put holes in for drainage, I've used for plants of some type. Now
0: that's a good tip. Um, It's really important whatever container that you do decide to use that you do have good drainage holes. Not just one hole in the bottom, but at least three holes to allow for good drainage. And you can do that by just uh, taking a knitting needle, heating it up, and then poking it through the plastic. The plastic will just give way and make a beautiful hole.
1: Or just a darning needle. A lot of knitting needles are plastic, so a good metal darning needle. Make sure you hold it in a pair of pliers. Yeah, so you don't burn your hands. And it will even work to melt holes in um, a heavy duty gallon ice cream container. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I've also used the
0: clamshells uh, that the baby green salads come in. I've used those. Some of those uh, clamshells, like what strawberries come in or blueberries, already have the holes, so you don't need to put any extra holes. And they work really well because they have a top. And so when seeds are just starting to germinate, you want to keep the soil moist. And one of the ways to do that is
1: to cover it. So it already has a built-in cover. The clamshells from salad greens from the grocery store are actually a great way to grow lettuce indoors or cut-and-come-again greens, which are a very high dollar value food, even if they're not necessarily the highest in calorie values.
0: So that's a good point. If someone doesn't have a lot of space and they're just starting out, you don't want to grow everything because you just don't have room for it. So there are some types of food that are easy to grow that don't take much time and also give you a high dollar value compared to what you'd buy in the store. So let's let's focus a bit on on the very best things to grow if what you're trying to do is save money at the grocery store. One of the things that I like to grow is lettuce. I was reading that right now because it's winter in Australia, that in Australia, lettuce is $12 American a head, which is crazy. I've never heard of lettuce that high. I thought it was high last year in our winter when our lettuce was $7 a head. And that's Canadian dollars, not US dollars. So, Lettuce is one of those crops, the price does fluctuate, but lettuce is one of the things, that's super easy to grow, 30 days and you can be cutting lettuce for salads and it's uh, super fast, doesn't need a lot of soil, doesn't need a lot of fertilizer and one package of lettuce seed is all you need. Often you can get lettuce seed as a blend. Um, It might be called a salad mix or or masculine mix, masculine mix, and it can have a variety of red and green leaves. So you have a good variety too. And if you want to try that, you just put the soil, about three inches of soil in your container and sprinkle the lettuce over top and then just
1: pat it down and, and the lettuce doesn't have to be covered with soil. And make sure the soil is damp before you add the seeds to it. If you have super dry potting mix, it will be hydrophobic and won't want to absorb water. So I discovered that using boiling water to hydrate potting soil worked quite well. And then you just let the soil cool down before you transfer it into your planting container. And then you put your seeds on top.
0: Great idea.
1: And the boiling water actually overrides the hydrophobic a lot faster than trying to add cold water and weight. It also kills fungus gnats. Oh, good point. Good point.
0: One of the things I like to do when I'm planting seeds is to sprinkle with cinnamon because cinnamon is also antifungal. So it'll help with fungus gnats if that happens to be a problem where you live. And it'll also stop damping off, which is one of the major failures for beginner gardeners when they're just starting seed. Is there something that you think is high value, Sarah, that you love to grow?
1: Well, culinary herbs are a great option. They're also really easy for beginners to grow. There's a lot of different sources for already started plants, so you don't necessarily have to start, say, basil from seed, parsley, basil, thyme, rosemary, oregano. All of those herbs are ones that you can grow indoors in a pot or maybe outdoors on your balcony in a pot. And being able just to walk out and take a pinch or several pinches of fresh herbs to add to whatever you're cooking at the moment is very rewarding. And fresh herbs are very expensive for a very small amount. So fresh herbs are a great one to grow. Personally, I've been growing a very cute rosemary plant for the last two years. I started it from seed and I am very proud of it. I've not had as much success with my basil plants for the garden, but I do have two sage plants I started last year that are also growing well this year. And honestly, I really enjoy growing the herbs and any extra herbs that I have available when I'm getting close to the end of the season, I dehydrate so that I can use them as dried herbs over the winter. And I find they have much better flavor, much clearer flavors than the equivalency in dried herbs from the grocery store. So it's very worth it for me to grow the herbs, both monetary and for the feeling of accomplishment. I find when I buy the fresh herbs in the clamshell
0: from the grocery store that I never use the whole clamshell before it's all slimy and I have to throw it out. So I think that growing it is way better because I can just take from the plant what I want to use and leave it growing and then I'm not wasting any too. Um, yeah, I could put them in the dehydrator, but there's usually such a small amount in those clamshells like, that it's not worth turning on the heat of the dehydrator. It's like dehydrator. 10 sprigs. Yeah, or less or less. In in winter, it's even less. I, I bought a clamshell of rosemary in January and it was one sprig of rosemary for $5. Ouch. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't have a rosemary plant. I should have come to your house and taken your rosemary. That would have been good. I never even thought of it, Sarah. Well, you could have had a pinch. What I love too about, and I just discovered this this year, is when you're growing the fresh herbs, it's really easy to take a cutting of the herb and just stick it in a glass of water and like for instance with basil it will develop roots within three or four days and be ready to repot so from one basil plant that i started from seed i can easily have 10 basil plants growing within a month and i really love that because you can extend your herbs they just keep growing and when you're paying five dollars for a little clamshell at the grocery store growing your own herbs is a great way to save money and to increase your nutrition and your health because herbs are so good for you. They're high in antioxidants and high in polyphenols that your body needs to fight colds and flu and to stay healthy. So culinary herbs, yes, absolutely. I recommend that everyone grow them. If you are ready, to start on your herbal journey to get to know herbs and make your own medicine, I've got the perfect next step for you. My membership, the DIY Herb of the Month Club, will help you get to know your herbal allies by studying one herb at a time. And we make a game of it. You will go on a 30 day journey with an assignment to do every day that will only take you 10 or 15 minutes. You'll go on a monthly quest to build your confidence so that you can learn to rely on your herbal allies. You'll invest just five to 15 minutes a day of hands-on guided exercises to gain knowledge of each month's herbal ally. You'll also learn how to grow, forage, or find each month's herb. You'll study the historical context of the medicinal and or culinary uses of each herb, You'll create a personal Materia Medica for long-term reference. You'll also study the modern scientific studies and evaluate their methodology and conclusions. And you'll engage your senses both logically and intuitively to get to know each herb really, really well so that you can use it confidently. So stir up some recipes with me and start using your new herbal allies for focused hands-on learning inside the DIY Herb of the Month Club. So, I hope you'll decide to join me. The link is in the show notes. I know, Sarah, that there's another kind of plant that's really high value that you love to grow and you are very skilled at it. What would that be?
1: It's not a plant, it's a fungi. And mushrooms are a very high dollar value item that is also highly nutritious. Eight cups of fresh mushrooms actually has the same protein value as a, I believe it's a six ounce steak with five less calories, but you're probably not going to be eating eight cups of fresh mushrooms. However, eight cups of fresh mushrooms will dehydrate down to about four cups of dried mushrooms or about three quarters of a cup of mushroom powder. Okay, so wait a minute.
0: I have never seen anyone successfully grow mushrooms at home. Are you serious? Like people could grow mushrooms at home? How would they go about doing that,
1: Sarah? Well, the easiest way to do it is to get some regular oyster mushrooms from the grocery store. Do not try it with king oyster mushrooms because they didn't work when I tried it. So a regular white blue oyster mushroom from the grocery store, sometimes they're called pearl oyster, and then just take maybe a whole mushroom or just the stems from a hand of mushrooms and put that in with some coffee grounds in a jar, a cup, or a peanut butter jar. I've used a gallon bucket. I have one going in a milk jug. Okay, hold on. You're saying just fill something with coffee grounds,
0: no holes in the bottom or put the holes in the bottom?
1: Uh, no holes in the bottom. I would just use one day's worth of coffee grounds when it's starting and just... And then just throw the cut up mushroom in it? Uh, I like chopping up the stem butts fairly fine so that they spread out through the coffee grounds and give multiple points for the mushroom mycelium to start growing. So is is that like spores or is that like cloning? It's cloning, technically speaking. And as long as you use, say, st- stems from the same hand of oysters it is all genetically identical and it will join together and form one massive mycelium in the cup in coffee grounds yep coffee grounds you can also add a little bit of other material to it some people sterilize their compost and add mushroom bits to it to start growing so they'll grow mushrooms off of sterilized pineapple peels, banana peels, and stuff like that. That's a bit more complicated. I like just working with the coffee grounds because that's simple, straightforward, and mushrooms love coffee grounds. So if you didn't drink coffee, could you use tea leaves? Probably. I haven't added tea to my grounds yet, but I have heard of people doing it, so it would be feasible. Or you could sterilize newspaper and cardboard. So you wouldn't even need a garden then? You're, grow- you're- Do you put it on a windowsill for light? No, keep it out of the light, actually, is recommended. You want light when it's fruiting. You don't need light when it is mycelating. And so how long does it take? Um, Well, in a one and a half liter ice cream pail that I did, I had mushrooms within three weeks. Three weeks. That's faster than lettuce. Wow. And depending on the temperature, it can fruit within two weeks. It really depends on the variety and temperature preferences.
0: So this is like a secret power that nobody talks about. Because if everyone knew this, everybody would be growing their own mushrooms and nobody would be buying them from the store.
1: Well, a lot of people try growing mushrooms and then freak out that everything went moldy. Because mushroom mycelium is a fungus and mold is a fungus. And yes, if you are growing mushrooms in coffee grounds, it will look like your coffee grounds went moldy. As long as it's white, you know it's the mushroom mycelium. If it goes gray or green or blue or pink, unless you're growing pink oysters, then it could be mold. So there's a chance of it going moldy,
0: but less likely if you're using your own coffee grounds every day because your coffee grounds have been sterilized because the hot water's gone through them. Is that right?
1: Yep. If you, That's why I like using just the day's coffee grounds because it doesn't give molds time to establish because you just made your coffee, you've let it cool down, you add it to the container you have the mushroom stems in and the mushroom stems go ooh, fresh food thanks and they'll grow and they'll grow and they'll grow 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 that sounds like a secret power wow
0: so we've talked about lettuce being a high value we've talked about culinary herbs being a high value You told us about a secret power of growing mushrooms. That's crazy. I am amazed. What other high-value foods can we grow?
1: Well, you can grow any other leafy green like spinach or kale.
0: Both of those will work. So at this point, we've mostly been talking about in containers. What if somebody has some garden space? What's high value? Strawberries. Strawberries. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Berries of any type, really, if you have the space for a few raspberry canes or the space for blueberry bush or two, berries are very expensive. They don't travel well. They go bad really quickly after purchasing from the grocery store. So berries are an awesome option for a high value garden item. One of the things I love about berries is the fact that
0: a berry bush will reproduce itself. So you might start with you know, maybe three canes or five canes, but the next year you're going to have 20 canes and you'll be able to expand your own garden or even put them in pots and use them for trade with friends and neighbors. And so your garden ends up being a great place of abundance and to give, it doesn't take a lot of space.
1: That's right. But remember with say raspberry canes that a lot of the raspberries will fruit on second-year canes. So you don't want to give away all of your volunteer first-year canes the very first year you have them because you you want to keep a few so that you have berries next year. Right, that's true. So always pay attention to the reproductive cycle of the plant, like strawberries. They'll take a year to get established. They'll produce really heavily for a year or two, and they'll send out runners. And then your three- or four-year-old plants are going to fall back on their production and you'll want to have saved some of those runners to replace them. That's right. So you can always keep the cycle going. Another reason I mentioned strawberries is because I have some in my Garden, a indoor small hydroponic system, and they've just started producing ripe berries and they've only been going for a hundred days. You started them from seed. Yep. I started them from seed and they've only been going a hundred days and I'm already getting ripe fruit. See, you do have superpowers. I told you you had superpowers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Berries are definitely a high value food if you have the space for them, if you're outside. Now that doesn't mean that you, you can only garden with high value food. Of course, you can grow anything you want to eat, even potatoes. But if you don't have much space it's much better to invest in high value food to start with and also i think the sooner you get started the better because you get to make all your mistakes and learn from them before you expand
1: and the mistakes become very costly another high value item might be uh, nut trees and or nut bushes like hazelnuts if you have space if you have the space or if you know how to look for nut trees that are already in your area I have noticed that a lot of people who have walnuts or butternut in their front yard or backyard often don't harvest all of the nuts. So, A, there could be volunteer trees. If you pay attention to who has nut trees in your area, there's often volunteers in the area as well. And B, it could be a good reason to get to know your neighbors. Always a good thing. So we've been talking about,
0: remember, we're talking for beginners. If you're an experienced gardener, you might have some more tips to add to the comments or maybe some high-value foods that you've grown that we didn't talk about that you might want to suggest in the comments. Let's talk about some tips for beginners to help them have a successful garden if if it's the first or second year, maybe things that as an experienced gardener that we've experienced, Sarah, or that you've experienced we. Sarah and I are growing in different climates. Sarah is growing in a very dry climate. I'm in the mountains, so my climate is very cold, especially at night. Um, so we have very different climates, but we both have some things that we can share. So first of all, I'll go first. Perfection is not the goal of gardening. We're not looking for landscaping. We're not looking for something to please the neighbors or, or the mom or the mother-in-law. We're looking for something that pleases you. So your garden should be pleasing to you, not necessarily perfect, only perfect in your eyes. Sarah?
1: Well, one thing I found out this year is that plants will inevitably die Particularly the ones you're most excited about if you're trying new seeds. So if the plants decide to not cooperate or the seeds don't germinate right or you transplant the plants out and they go, I'm upset. It's too hot. I don't give up. Plants will die. Most of the plants we work with are annuals. They're going to die in the fall anyway. They just decided not to grow for the summer.
0: So the only failure is giving up. That's what you're trying to say.
1: Pretty much because there's always indoor growing. There's always next year. And if you fail early enough in the season, you still have time to start more seeds. So don't give up. Don't give up. Tip number three. If you have limited
0: space, then grow the plants that are going to save you the most money or that are going to give you the most joy. Strawberries. For Sarah, that's strawberries. Strawberries. Uh, For me, it's uh, actually kale because I can harvest it over and over again, and it always grows for me.
1: And you can make delicious kale
0: chips. Yes, or I can make kale powder to put in smoothies.
1: I prefer the kale chips. (laughs) (laughs) Tip number four, Sarah? Learn how to compost so that you can create fertilizer and renew and improve your own soil. There are some really easy ways to create liquid forms of compost that don't require making a whole compost pile. One of those methods is collecting all of the weeds, throwing them in a 10-gallon bucket or even a smaller one if that's all you have available, filling it with water, waiting a few days, and then taking maybe a liter of that and diluting it, um, usually one to five or one to six, with regular water and using that to water your plants. And the water extraction pulls nutrients from the weeds and lets you return them to your plants so that you don't have to rely on expensive chemical fertilizers that are getting more expensive. And you also don't have to have the long wait for a traditional compost pile to give you its goodness.
0: Great tip. You can also do that with worm castings. If you have a worm bin, you can take the worm castings and soak them in water. And do the same thing that Sarah's suggesting with a liquid fertilizer. The liquid fertilizers are also easier for plant roots to utilize. So that's a great tip, Sarah. Tip number five, use containers you already have. All it has to do is hold soil and have good drainage. So any container that you have already that can hold soil and have good drainage. It could be a plastic bag. Heavy duty plastic bags only though. Yeah. Yeah. It could be food containers, could be cups, could be flower pots.
1: Even a laundry basket can be used for gardening. I would take care with that. If you know an item is very uh, light sensitive and will degrade rapidly with solar radiation, I would recommend avoiding using that for an outdoor garden pod or garden container. So I would stick with the woven plastic bags that are like the heavy-duty reusable ones. Like a feed sack or a pet food bag. Feed sack or a pet food bag should work well, but they will probably only work for one, maximum two seasons, because they will degrade from the solar. So it's just good to keep in mind um, how the solar will affect your containers. You can also use things
0: like old boots, old shoes. I've seen people use discarded
1: bathtubs, kitchen sinks, discarded wood stoves, worn out wheelbarrows. Great tips. Wasn't there one garden we used to drive past that used a toilet as a planter? I'm not recommending that. Or was that just the one that had the, the pair of
0: boots stuffed in the toilet in the yard? I'm not recommending that. <laughs> Let's stay classy, Sarah. Tip number, <laughs> tip number six. Pace yourself and don't get overwhelmed. It can be really overwhelming once you've planted everything and it's starting to come up and the weeds start to come up. And I have heard gardeners, new gardeners, feel guilty because they couldn't keep up with the weeds. And I want to say, pace yourself. And if you can't keep
1: up, just don't feel overwhelmed. Do what you can do. Even if that's just targeting one type of weed throughout the entire garden rather than trying to completely clear all the weeds from one area. Because targeting the prickly ones is a really, really good idea. Even if you don't have the time or patience to say, pull out all of the purslane or the chickweed or the lamb's quarters, start with just targeting the prickly ones. Good. Thistles, point. lettuce, and that really annoying prickly lettuce in our area, because then they won't reseed themselves next year. You hope. Well, at least there'll be less if you don't let them go to seed next year. And also with the pacing yourself. It may be tempting to jump in and try to do a 200 square foot garden instantly. That might be too much for your first year. So remember to pace yourself with the size of the garden as well as the spacing and the plants and the weeding. The weaving is one of the reasons I like the containers because you can
0: go out and say, I'm only going to weed this container today.
1: Or this raised bed.
0: Or this raised bed or this, this trudge or this basket. Um, and you're not faced with the entire garden to weed all at once.
1: Tip number seven grow what you and your family will eat. If you know your family absolutely hates and despises zucchini, don't grow zucchini. It may be really easy to grow and really abundant, but if your family won't eat it, there is literally no point in trying to grow it. Now, some kids will eat anything that they see growing and that they contribute to growing. So you could try an experiment. But if your family doesn't like zucchini or squash, it's probably better not to dedicate a huge amount of space to it, even if you do grow one or two plants. If your family absolutely despises spinach, grow lettuce or kale or one of the other greens. You don't necessarily need to grow spinach. And same with other things. If your family hates tomatoes, grow potatoes instead. You don't need to grow tomatoes if your family won't eat them or if someone's allergic to them. If your family doesn't like Brussels sprouts or broccoli, grow something that they will enjoy instead, or dedicate space to perennials like rhubarb, strawberries, and other berry bushes.
0: Perennials are a great idea. I I think that the sooner we get the perennials started, the better. Um, There's a saying that the best time to plant an apple tree is 10 years ago, and the second best time to plant an apple tree is today. So the sooner we get perennials growing in our yards the better because they give us food year after year whether it's an apple tree or rhubarb or asparagus or nut trees nut trees peaches whatever whatever your family likes to eat the sooner we get those perennials planted the better including berry bushes that we talked about earlier Uh, perennials just keep giving back year after year after year and they're not that expensive to get started so that's a great tip
1: to Get going with the perennials particularly if you can find someone local who's say dividing their established rhubarb plant that's right or is cleaning up their raspberry bed or something like that often in the spring on local buy and sell groups you can find perennials like raspberries rhubarb and sometimes even volunteer fruit trees or nut trees that people are offering because they're pulling them out of their yards
0: great point great point so that's almost free food then if you can get it at a like for trade or whatever like that. And the final tip is to use cinnamon in your garden. Cinnamon has a lot of uses. It's it's a great spice to use in the kitchen of course, but also great in the garden. It's an antifungal, so it's great for to sprinkle on your your new plants when you're doing seed starting in the house. Or in your greenhouse, if you have one, to just sprinkle cinnamon on the top because it stops damping off or other fungal issues. Uh, But the other thing cinnamon does is help with controlling ants in the garden. Ants will not cross a line of cinnamon. So if you have some ants starting in the garden, you can sprinkle cinnamon and they will leave. They don't, it confuses their pheromones. It doesn't hurt them, but it confuses their pheromones. So they're uncomfortable and they leave. I had a situation just this week where I had some red ants coming into a pile of coffee grounds that I was growing mushrooms in and they were taking over the pile and starting to eat the mushroom mycelium and that would have been really bad. Um, I didn't want them there and so what I did was I sprinkled some fresh cinnamon powder right over the ant nest. Um, Well, actually, not the ant nest. I left the ant nest alone. I sprinkled the cinnamon over the pile of coffee grounds where the mushrooms were growing. And, uh, I went out the next morning and there was fewer ants. And then I went out the day after that. So 48 hours later, and the ants had moved. And so cinnamon is great for controlling ants. And if you have two piles of ants that aren't the same colony in your garden, if you put cinnamon around both colonies, they'll both leave. They, they won't fight each other. They'll they'll just take off because it's so uncomfortable. So cinnamon is a great thing to use in the garden. If you want to learn more ways to use cinnamon in the garden, you can check out my post on Believe Farm. The link will be in the show notes.
1: There's several ways to, other ways to use cinnamon in the garden in that post. Just avoid using cinnamon if you are growing mushrooms and coffee grounds in your kitchen because cinnamon is antifungal and it will reduce the ability of the mycelium to grow.
0: If growing some of your own food sounds like something you're ready to do right now, I've got the perfect next step for you. My fill your salad bowl workshop is a concise workshop that will show you how to grow enough greens to fill a salad bowl every day. That's a great first step just to fill a salad bowl. It's not overwhelming and anyone can do it. You can do it even if you don't have any land, even if there's three feet of snow covering your garden, even if you've killed houseplants in the past, and even if you don't think you have a green thumb. Here's what we cover in this workshop. Now remember, it's a concise workshop. It's not gonna take a long time to go through, so everyone's gonna have enough time to do this. You'll learn three different salad green growing methods that you can implement right away. You'll learn the exact methods I use to keep my salad bowl full so I never run out, even if I have unexpected company. You'll also learn where to cut costs and still be successful growing salad greens at home. You'll learn the ideal equipment to use if you want to grow greens faster and easier. The unique pitfalls to avoid with indoor and container growing. You'll learn how to save a crop that goes wrong. Where to find organic seed at reasonable prices how to store your seed so it stays viable for years so that you can save money now on bulk seed purchases. And you'll learn the health benefits of sprouts, microgreens and healthy greens and how to optimize these benefits in the way you grow them and the way you store them. We'll also give you 17 ideas for using homegrown salad greens in the kitchen so they never get mundane. If you're ready to start growing some of your own food, and you think salad greens are a great place to start, like I do, check the link in the show notes. So we have been talking today about growing food for beginners to help you get started in the best way possible, to make sure that you have success right away. We talked about some high value foods that are easy to grow like mushrooms and herbs and lettuce and we talked about some tips that we use to help our gardens grow better that are easy for you to implement right away in the next episode we're going to be talking about foraging food and more ways to get free food besides growing it yourself and uh, we'd love for you to check out that episode too And uh, one thing we always want to leave you with something positive that you can do right away so that you're not leaving this episode feeling like, well, that's fine for you, but what about me? So we've got a couple of great things for you to try. One is more gardening tips from the Joy Believe Farm blog, six gardening tips for beginners, and cheap gardening tricks. That's it. It's a trick, not a tip. And uh, so check out those links in the show notes, head over to the blog and have a look and see what you can glean from that to help you have a great
1: first garden and great success. And if you're an experienced gardener, still go over to those posts and check them out because you can leave a comment with some of your own tips and tricks for our new gardeners. Absolutely, thank you for
0: mentioning that, Sarah. And thank you, listeners, for listening to today's episode. And as always, please share, like, subscribe. And uh, also tell your friends about the podcast and let them know what you found helpful. Thanks for
1: joining us. And see you next time.